Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com. Now get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us on supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way. The trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or at Brupolo. Uh, over in Tupelo, it would be a little weird, uh, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Sweatman. It wouldn't be weird. Nobody's the, the word. The word "sweat" is not. It doesn't. It doesn't go well with coffee. No, I no, think no, no. I'm agreeing with you on that one. Uh, Unless coffee makes you sweat, it shouldn't though. It shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, it is hot. If you are sweating and you want to get an iced coffee, that might be a good idea to cool you down. The Strange Brew has that as well. They do have that. And, of course, they have all sorts of great stuff. And it's all right there on their website at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. So if you do live in Sweatman or wherever you live in this state, it's not Starkville or Tupelo, you can have Strange Brew Coffee every morning. Just go to the website, strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you are looking for. Great selection of polos, T-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, hoodies, everything you need, plus great stuff for the tailgate, for your house, for your car. Anything you want to let people know that you're a Mississippi State fan, they've got it at College Corner. Two locations in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Floyd by the Half Shell. You can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Restaurant Tyler. Robbie and I ate there on Tuesday, and you're not going to believe this, but it was great. Food was great. It's like it always is. Great service, too. Really nice people there. You just you just can't go wrong. And like I said, I'm always amazed at how they're able to like flip from this, you know, sort of you know, southern meat and three place during the day to this, you know, white tablecloth, you know, fine dining place at night. But they do it. They pull it off without a hitch. And that that's a testament to the kind of restaurants that Ty Tim's and Brian Kelly run over there. And I mean, if you've lived in Starkville any length of time, if you've ever been there, you know that I, what I'm talking about. So. If you want to enjoy a great meal, breakfast, lunch, or brunch, breakfast, lunch, dinner, or brunch, I wish they'd do breakfast. It would be awesome, too. Go to restaurant, Tyler. 16 Priority One Bank locations located throughout Central Mississippi. That's where locations tend to be located, is in locations. That's you're, right. You didn't, I don't know if you knew that or not. but uh, If you're not already a Priority One Bank customer, you need to find out what kind of difference they can make for you. We talk about eat local and and shop local all the time. Banking local, just as important. You want to have that relationship with your local bank. So find the location nearest you at PriorityOneBank.com. Open an account today and find out why Priority One Bank will make you their priority. Mississippi State basketball with a little news here on a uh, Wednesday uh, afternoon. And that is that Chris Jans 
gets a much-deserved extension and raise. That extension will take him through the 26-27 season and nearly a million-dollar-a-year raise, Robbie, the 3.2. hate to see make it seems like it's reactionary, but when I saw that Chris Beard was getting over $3 million a year, I figured it was not going to take very long for Mississippi State to reply in kind. And now you have a very unusual situation here at Mississippi State where they are now one of two, and I'm pretty sure they're the only two in the conference, SEC schools, to go with Kentucky, where the basketball coach makes more than the football coach. I was thinking about that before the show started. I, I can only think of maybe three or four other schools like that in the country. I would I would imagine Kansas is that way. Bill Saul certainly makes more than uh, Lance Leopold does. I would imagine John Shire makes more than Mike Elko does at Duke, and certainly Coach K did before he retired. I'm not sure. I think Mac, Mac Brown, Hubert Davis at North Carolina might be interesting. But what I'm what I'm doing here is I'm mentioning these are the powers of college basketball, the 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 true blue bloods of the sport. Mississippi State now paying its basketball coach more than its football coach. Just sort of weird, right? It's a little weird, but you, you got to think about it too. Their football coach is a first time head coach no who is uh, you know former defensive coordinator. So he, you know he's not going to be paid in the same kind of Right range that Chris Jans is in comparison to the conference, but they're both. I mean, Zach, I mean, um, Chris Jans is still, you know, towards the bottom of the conference. I mean, probably ninth or tenth. Not not like at the very bottom, but like probably closer to the middle than he is at the bottom. But still, I mean, just kind of an average payday for a coach in the SEC. Well, now you got me curious. So, I think he's going to be last year's salaries, which I don't know if anybody's gotten raises or whatever, but you oh, know, yeah, exactly. last year's salaries. I mean, you would imagine that, that Nate Oates has a raise coming, although maybe not. So Calipari obviously leading the pack, 8.5, almost 8.6 a year. Bruce Pearl, 5.4 million. What is, what is Freeze making? He's making more than Freeze, mm, right? I'm not – Positive. It's it's probably really close at worst. I bet Freeze is making six mil. Okay. Rick Barnes is at five point four five. This is as of last year. That's probably more than Heupel made last year, but Heupel might have gotten a raise and put him up close to that. Six Buzz, and a half for Freeze. Okay. Buzz Williams four point one. Obviously, he makes less than Jimbo. Uh, Muscleman four point one. That's less than Pittman, I believe. Nate Oates was at three point four. Uh, as of this time last year. We'll see if that goes yeah. up. <laughs> That's much less than what Nick Saban's making. Yes. Mike White, 3.4 at Georgia. That's less than Kirby Smart. And then you know you have, you have Kermit who's making three who was making 3.15 last year. Now that is yeah, he's gone. And I think I think they they brought in Beard at 3.2. So if if, if 3.2 holds, it's going to be about eighth or ninth in the conference. Yeah, so that's you know around middle of the pack. But that's, but that, good, that's, that's where they that's where they needed. He was it dead is. last a season ago. Well, and you know, state needed to show that they're committed to basketball. Mm-hmm. They needed to show Chris Jans they're committed to him. But at the same time, you don't want to overpay just yet. I mean, he did a great job with that team last year. Mm-hmm. But you also want to show him, you know, he, there's some there's still some incentives to earn here. Right. You know, the the basketball team needs to get better, which I think they will. But um, they're I think this is the right that's the right range for right now. 
just to show your commitment to the program, show your commitment to Jans, but also not go overboard here. You don't want to bump him up to $4.5 million just yet. Right. Um, gets you into the Sweet 16 next year, then you, you bump it up a little more. But yeah. I think this is he, – he was grossly underpaid in comparison to the rest of the league for the results that you got this past year. So this was the right move. And I imagine Sam Purcell is probably going to be – up for a raise as well for women's basketball. Yeah, I would imagine you're, you're correct on that. A couple of quotes here uh, from Zach Selman and Chris Jans. Chris Jans is an elite coach who has made a major impact on Mississippi State men's basketball in a short time, Selman said. He and his staff have elevated our program on and off the court through a culture of accountability, student-athlete development, toughness, hard work, and excellence. I look forward to continuing to work with Chris as we elevate our men's basketball program to greater heights. I will run that now through my athletic director translator. He won a lot of games in his first year, and nobody expected that, so he gave him a race. That's exactly what he just said. There you go. Let's get the coach speak one out now. We are grateful for Dr. Mark Keenum and Director of Athletics Zach Selman for the belief in our vision for Mississippi State men's basketball. This will allow our tremendous staff to be rewarded for their expertise and hard work. Sherry and I have settled into Starkville and continue to be impressed with all the people we have met especially our loyal fan base. We are already looking forward to next season and the new and improved Humphrey Coliseum. I will now translate that from Coach Speak. I won enough games. I won a lot of games. You're going to have to pay me. Because if you don't, next year, somebody's going Louisville's going to offer me the job, and I'm going to take it. Yes. Simple as that. So, What are your ex- expectations for, for Chris Jans in year two? Does he get him back to the NCAA tournament? Is he better than he was a season ago? More consistent offensively? Well, I think just by default, they got to be better, right? They're going to you know, be a you year should older. never say that, man, because you, you, you just don't ever know. I said that about Croom's teams. Well, you know, there was a track record with yeah. Chris Jans, not so much with Sylvester Crooms. I, I feel safe in saying they're going to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, they should be better. They're, you know, a year into – uh, Chris Jan's tenure here. This is going to be year two coming up uh, next year. You got basically the entire team returning for the most part. I mean, with the way that Chris Jan's has, has been able to coach over the years, got to think guys are going to develop. And they're adding some good offensive pieces too. I mean, your expectation should be Mississippi State in the NCAA tournament. Anytime that you go to the tournament the year before and you're returning some huge pieces from that season – you got to expect that you're going to go to the tournament. But I think people, the expectations even go up this year because that was all well and good last year. They, they got back to the tournament. That was more than what people expected. And this team was really competitive against some good teams. But now people are wanting to build on that. You want to build on that success. You don't want to just kind of stay with, you know, yeah, we made the tournament. You want to start talking about we want to win games in the NCAA tournament. And that's something this team, it's, this program struggled to do since, you know, Richard Williams took them to the Final Four. Uh, you know, Rick Stansbury won a couple couple of games in the tournament. He could not get to the Sweet 16. State's got to focus on winning games in the tournament, being firmly in the tournament, putting yourself in the best position possible to advance there. So I think your expectation should be that you're going to be a, a better team this year, and I think that's very reasonable. I don't think that you have to come in here and start thinking – you know, this team needs to be an Elite Eight team or Sweet 16 team or whatever, but I think people expect to firmly make it into the tournament and to win a game or two. 
I tend to, you know, I think back to when Stansberry was at his best, and my thought process was, you know, making the tournament every year, and I mean, he, he didn't make it every year, but he, he made it enough times early in his tenure that it's just, that's enough, right? And then, then the rest is kind of luck of the draw, kind of, you know, you never know what's going to happen when you get into, into the NCAA tournament. Upsets happen, you know, things go against you from time to time. But as long as you're always in that picture, you're always, you know, in, in, in the bracket, then, you know, you're, I feel like, especially at Mississippi State, you're doing enough. And Chris Chan's, to be able to, to do what he did in year one with a team that he had to, you know, kind of just, you know, take what he got, didn't have a great portal year. He brought in some contributors, no question about it. But I, I thought that he did a fantastic job. And I, I do, he, he is a coach that I have some faith in. Uh, to continue to improve and continue to get better and continue to to get, make his program advance. Um, now, obviously, a big piece for him uh, right now, his biggest recruiting job is to get Tolu Smith back in for another year. Definitely want to see that. Paul Jones today reported that he feels pretty, he feels good and he's optimistic about Tolu's chances. But you know, I kind of feel like we've been here before these past two years with DJ Stewart and with with Iverson Molinar. And then when they they have to make their decision, they make it, and they they decided to to, to go on to the pros. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Tolu. But if he comes back next year with what you have around him, and then what you brought in from recruiting, and what you're you know you, you just got to bring a couple of pieces in from the portal, which I you know I have faith in in James's ability to get a couple of more contributors. Again, there's no reason to not think that not only can this be a a an NCAA tournament team, but it can be a team that's a lot safer throughout the season. You know that that was a team last year that. They entered conference play, and they were, you know, it was just like, okay, if they just handle their business, they're going to be fine. Uh, and they ended up having that stretch where they lost, so what, seven of eight, and it got away from them a little bit, and they had to play on the bubble the rest of the year. They end up in the play-in game. I think this next year's team will definitely have more consistency, not just in terms of performance, you know, in terms of points and shooting and things like that, but just in terms of wins and losses. I don't, I don't see next year's team having a stretch where seven out of eight get dropped. Yeah, no. That, you, at that point, you should be in a much better position. I mean, that was that was a team that got hot, and then all of a sudden, they kind of hit a, a brick wall there, and you know the offense just wasn't good enough to com- to compete as far as you know winning those ball games. You now have you know a full season under your belt. You're going to have a full off season under your belt. I mean, you should eradicate those issues. You should be able to come out and be much more consistent next year. And you saw, I mean, once once they got through that that first stretch where they really kind of hit a lull, when they got going, this was a much more consistent team. I mean, they were they were bad. They were what they were on the offense. But night in and night out, I mean, you knew what to expect. This wasn't a team that was, you know, one game they compete with Alabama and the next game they lose by 20 points to somebody that they should be in the game with. This was a team that was in basically every game they played in the rest of the way. There weren't very many games where you, you looked at it and just like stage just, you know, way overmatched here. They had a chance. So I, I think what you're going to see is that kind of balance out a little bit more. I think with a year in the offense now, they should be able to have a more consistent offense. This is never going to be an offense either that's going to be like, you know, blowing the, the barn doors off. That You know, Chris Jan's offense is not going to be, you know, fast-paced, uh, you know, 95 to 100 points. Like, it, wow. his, his offense is going to be in ha- a half-court offense. They're going to be a little bit different than than what some people might expect. Um, and it's going to be sloppy at times. It's, it's not going to be the prettiest offense that you see. But 
I think that it's going to be better than what we've seen this past year. It can't get a whole lot worse. Agreed. I, 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 I want to agree with that. You know, the Mississippi State in me makes me think I should probably be a little cautious because you just you just don't ever know. But I, I do agree that offensively this team should be much better uh, in the 2023-24 season coming up. And Chris Jan's locked in now uh, for four more years and at a really competitive salary uh, nationally. So that's great news uh, for Mississippi State. Let's move on into the rest of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. If you're going to be cooking out this weekend, nothing beats the sizzle of beef on the grill. But if you're just looking to cook a great weeknight meal for your family, a beef is always a great ingredient to have. If you're looking for recipes, easy stuff to cook on a weeknight when you get home from work, go to msbeef.org. They've got plenty of them right there. Head out to the local meat markets and butcher shops. Pick up some meat, beef this weekend. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. It's just so good. It's so good. It's the only restaurant that I, I, I actively think about. Like I'm just Sometimes I'm just sitting there like, I wish I was Two Brothers right now. I could go for some smoked wings. Just, just sitting around doing you know, God knows what. But I, that that thought will cross my mind. And I, if you've had the smoked wings at Two Brothers, I, I assume it's crossed yours as well. So this weekend or any weekend when you're in Starkville, make sure a trip to Two Brothers into the Cotton District is on your to-do list. Great products and great service is what every business promises you. They give it to you at Advantage Business Systems. They guarantee it to you. They have 48 years of customer service backing them up. So if you need any kind of technology product for your business, a copier, a printer, a computer, mailing and information systems, call Advantage Business Systems. Then if you need service, you get to call them back. No 1-800 number, no call center with a 45-minute hold time, no out-of-state consultant who'll make an appointment with you, and he'll be there when he gets there. You're talking to somebody here in this state, and a lot of times they can solve your problems the exact same day. That's the difference between being a neighbor and being a number. Call 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. The Collegiate Collection at the Rogue. That's the best-looking group of polos and quarter zips you're going to find. They've got great styles. They've got great products, great customer service there at the Rogue. But most importantly, they have the logos that you, the fans, want. You people have spoken. You want the M over S. You want the state script. You're tired of the banner M. Well, guess what? They've got you covered at The Rogue. Shop at The Rogue in Jackson or shop online at therogue.com. Don't live the three-strike life. Shop at The Rogue. Dolce, 509 University Drive. That's the place to be for breakfast in Starkville when you want something different. You're tired of just bacon and eggs. You want to get something a little different? Dolce is the place. A great selection of morning coffees for you. And then the bagels and breakfast sandwiches. They've got stuff that nobody else is doing. So head over there today, 509 University Drive, and, and have a, a, a gander at the best kept secret in Starkville. For now, anyway, that's Dolce. So I said, starting this week, I said, I'm going to start trying to get some national guys on. So that's going to be our, our goal over the next, I guess, four months. As, as we sit here today, Robbie, it's, it's May 3rd. We are four months almost to the day from the start of college football, from the, uh, from the first weekend of the first full weekend of college football. There'll be September the 2nd. So you want to call it 120 days or, or whatever. 
So I'm going to be going around and getting some SEC guys, getting some national guys, but I want to talk college football, not just Mississippi State. I want to talk college football with those guys. So I started with my old friend Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports. Uh, he joined me earlier today, got his thoughts on some big-picture SEC items, and, of course, his thoughts on Mississippi State. So this will be the first of a number of interviews we're going to do this summer. We're going to try to roll out as many of these kind of interviews as we can with national college football guys to talk not only Mississippi State, but some actual college football and some big picture stuff as well. And we'll start with my friend Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports. Brandon, let's start with a, with, a, with an easy one. The player in the SEC, be it a new face, a returning player, a transfer, whatever, that you're most excited to see this season? Woo! Well, Portal's not quite done yet. Yeah. Um, I'm very interested to see kind of what you know Auburn's going to do at quarterback. Because if they end up getting a Casey Thompson, that could change things for them in the outlook there. And, you know, for that matter, is Florida done in the portal? Do they have their quarterback on campus? So I think a lot of people have maybe freaked out a little bit too much about what uh, happened with Graham Mertz this spring and whether he's good enough to be down there. But he's a solid quarterback and what they're trying to do down there in that system. And I think we, we, we read way too much in what happens in spring practices anyway, but even more so now when we watch a transfer come in and they're seen as the answer to all their problems, and then they just kind of have an up-and-down uh, performance. So, for example, let's go out west right now, okay? So look at, look at Oregon. We saw what Bo Nix is capable of at Oregon last season. It was phenomenal. And then they go in their spring game, and he completes less than 50% of his passes, and then, like, the, being the competitor he is, his team falls behind in their spring game, so he decides, I want to go back into the game to lead a comeback victory. But everybody's like, oh, no, his offensive coordinator from last year is gone. Is he changed now? Has he changed? And it's like, it's just a spring game. Come on, let's not freak out about this. So, anyway, long answer short, when we talk about transfers or newcomers in conferences – to me, it's always going to be about the quarterbacks. It always is. And, of course, I think the big, big one is going to be Alabama. What exactly are they going to do there? I don't think that you can just safely assume that they are going to go with the transfer from Notre Dame immediately just because he transferred in. I think they're trying to up the competition going into August. And I would not be surprised at all if they end up doing like a two-quarterback system or playing different guys here and there. Hmm. And I say that because, you know, the offensive coordinator coming in, Tommy Reese, he comes in having done that at Notre Dame last year. They had to play two different quarterbacks because of injuries or whatever or performance, and the offense looked different in each setting. And so I think that it, it's very possible. They won't say it out loud right now because they still want to go through the competition. But I think it's very possible that Alabama could end up playing two quarterbacks this year. They could start out the season with one quarterback at starting, and then by week four, week five, maybe they're shifting those guys around and, and maybe even change things up to where another guy is starting over the other. Um, but it's, it's fascinating what we're seeing specifically in the SEC and the quarterback. We're in, a, we're in a year of transition at the quarterback spot at a lot of schools in the SEC. 
you sort of hit on a couple of things I wanted to talk about in, in your answer there. Let's start with Alabama. And and you, you mentioned it, that they've gone to the transfer portal. They brought in Tyler Buckner to try to compete with Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow. It feels like they're not confident in anybody there in Tuscaloosa. Contra- contrast that with Georgia, who looks like they're just going to hand things off to Carson Beck, who a guy they've recruited, five four-star, five-star kid, wherever you look. And they feel pretty confident in the guys that they've they've recruited there. Is that kind of like a a small inside look to where those two programs are right now? Yeah, Alabama's fallen behind from the standpoint of being that program that you get developed in. And you go there, you get developed, and by year two, year three, that's when you're the starter and you're the man. And you're seeing that right now at quarterback. Um, and then Georgia, they've kind of taken over that mantle in a lot of ways from Alabama, not just as the championship program, but as the development program, not just in the SEC, but nationally. This is not a program that has ever really under Kirby Smart had to lean on the transfer portal. In fact, they would lose guys, and you're going, wow, they need to fill spots here. And they've said, no, we're going to pick and choose our spots, maybe add a handful of guys. But for the most part, we got enough backups to where we trust our process in evaluating players and then developing them that we've got enough here to be able to fill that spot. And with Carson Beck and, for that matter, even Brock Vandergriff, you know, talent-wise, and obviously in recruiting, they're obviously better than Stetson Bennett on paper. But they might not be that when they actually end up playing, of course. But Carson Beck, it certainly looks like, is the clear-cut favorite and will be the starter there. And I think what's really fascinating with that whole situation is that Brock Vandergriff, if he left today and was able to transfer within the SEC, which he's not because of the transfer rule, that if you're in the SEC, you cannot transfer to another school after February 1st and be immediately eligible. He could land immediately at Auburn or or Florida, which really need quarterbacks right now, or for that matter, Alabama, and he would be the starter. And yet he's st- sticking around, at least for right now, and is going to be the backup. And that's just a testament to, one, what Kirby Smart has built there, and also the idea that you might be thrown out there if there's an injury and you might end up being the guy. And think back to Alabama three, four, five years ago when injuries would pop up and all of a sudden someone would butt into a superstar. We've seen it happen at Alabama, and we're seeing it at Georgia, and it goes to show you that Georgia's process of recruiting top three recruiting classes every year, and then for the most part keeping those guys on campus has paid off in championships, and for that matter has paid off to where – when you look at quarterback battles or battles across the field, there's really never controversy. You never hear the word quarterback controversy coming out of Georgia unless it's people like me a couple of years ago saying, hey, Stetson Bennett's obviously not very talented. Why is he still the starter? But again, Kirby Smart and Georgia, they trusted their process, and look what it got them. Got them two national championships, and they're the favorite to win three straight and be the first to do so since the uh, AP poll was a thing starting in 1936. You weren't the only one with that Stetson Bennett take. You should not feel bad about it. Don't, 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 don't beat yourself. Oh man, but I hammered, I hammered it home. It seemed like yeah. every week I was like, "Why are they playing this guy?" I, I, <laughs> t- I just, I'm very, very stupid. It, it, you know what? <laughs> That's why I have you on because I feel like you're a little smarter than me, but not too much. So, you mentioned That's exactly Auburn. right. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned Auburn. If they can't bring somebody in, you know, and TJ Finley hit the portal. Not that he was going to contribute, but if they have to go with Ashford in year one, what's the ceiling for Auburn? Um, I need to look at the schedule completely, but I've got a 
ancillary knowledge of it, I'd say seven wins, seven or eight wins would be the ceiling with Robbie Ashford as a starter. Um, I, I just, listen, he had the worst completion percentage among any SEC starter last season at quarterback, less than 50%. But he's dynamic as a runner. And you saw him in the Iron Bowl really carry Auburn to even being within striking distance uh, in the first half and, for that matter, early in the third quarter. But, you know, listen, I think I think Auburn's problem, honestly, this upcoming season is at receiver for them offensively. They don't necessarily have like a game breaker or someone they can lean on there. That's something they're going to have to develop and see if they can get one or two guys to really pop early in the season and hopefully lean on them later down the road. But with Ashford, you're just not going to get that guy that's going to be explosive throwing down the field. And Hugh Freeze is going to want to take shots in his offense, throw it down the field. But Ashford is going to give them a little bit of a different dynamic being able to run the ball. So I think they could win seven or eight games. But they need – listen, they got to get a better quarterback in the portal. They have to. And they're actively looking right now. And Casey Thompson's that top option right now. But we'll see if he ends up picking Auburn. But – you know, I think if you want to compare and contrast, if they can get a healthy Casey Thompson on campus, remember he's coming off of an injury himself and wasn't able to participate in spring at Nebraska. I think Auburn's ceiling under him is an additional one or two wins. So maybe for them, it could be an eight or nine win season if Casey Thompson ends up being the starting quarterback. We don't have a lot of marquee games the first couple weeks of the season in the SEC. So which of these two you say you're most excited for or you think is going to have a bigger impact throughout the season? But between LSU, FSU, and Alabama, Texas, which game has the a little more cachet for you? Oh, man, I, I LSU, FSU by far. That, that's really? the one that I'm going to have all eyes on. Because, it, listen, I think the winner of that game assures it itself of being a top-two team in the rankings the next week. And then if you look at their schedule, they will remain so. And even if they lose a game, they can afford to lose another game and still maybe be in the top four, depending on who they lose to down the road. So I, I really love that game. Of course, last year was just a dynamic and dramatic uh, game in the fourth quarter. Um, Alabama-Texas, listen, Alabama's going to be favored by at least seven and a half, I would think. I would think mm-hmm. that the early line would be about that if not more, LSU-FSU. That's going to be a tight line. They both match up so very well. Texas, not so much with Alabama. I think what's going to help hurt Alabama, of course, is what's going on at quarterback and then changing of the offense a little bit. Um, But, you know, Alabama just needs to run the freaking ball, man. They got a great offensive line, great running backs. Like, yeah, give me LSU-FSU, man, all day. That's going to be a dramatic game, I think and one that will carry a lot of weight going down the line. Well, speaking of running the ball, let's talk about Mississippi State because that's actually going to happen this year for the first time in in three years here in Starkville. I asked you this question on Sports Talk Mississippi, but let's bring it here for this audience. Mike Leach, obviously, you know, the tragedy we all know about. Zach Arnett, a first-year head coach. When you look at State, and they bring back Rodgers, they bring back a lot of skill position, bring back a lot of starts on the line, on the defense. Is, Is it is the low expectations for Mississippi State? I see them like at six and a half on the win totals. Is that how much is that affected by Mike Leach not being there? I think that does have a great effect on things. I think a lot of people just assume that the offense is going to take a step back from the the strides it was making last season, and um, 
it's never easy switching to a, a they say a different offense, but it's not going to be all that different, but it will be different. And they're going to be able to run the ball. I think that let's see those first three weeks get a better feel on things. Mississippi State is a team this year where, you know, I'm not a betting guy. I'm not. I would not touch any line with them until I get to see them the first few weeks. What does this team actually look like uh, with this change of philosophy? And for that matter, the change in its coaching style. Because this is, I mean, then there's the intangibles. I mean, just how do you, gosh, how do you deal with just a changing of the guard one, but also a changing of a guard in such an emotional and dramatic way? Uh, it's I don't know how the players are handling that. And Brian, you would know much more than me. Um, but it's such a weird, touchy subject. And I'm sure some players will say, hey, I'm fine. I'm dealing with everything. But in the back of their mind, it's still going on. And we all have fighting our own demons and our own emotions. So I, anyway, it's, it's a very difficult thing to quantify mm-hmm. with Mississippi State. But you hit on it. Defense is going to be good. And they're going to be able to run the ball if they want to run the ball. But, you know, with the new App State offensive pointer coming in, is that – how much do they lean into that? Um, is this an offense where they're going to maybe play tempo but also slow it down when they have to? What does that look like? I, I don't know. What's your impression of Zach Arnett as a, as a first-time head coach? Well, I, I think he's done a really good job of rallying everybody and getting everybody together on the same page. I love the hires he made, the decisions he made in the offseason. Um, I also think that, you know, I don't know about you, Brian, but, you know, no one will say this. But because of the contract that he has and everything, I think there is a lot and everything that's happened in the past and everybody rallying behind him in terrible circumstances. I think there's a lot of pressure on him going into this first year because we're in an, an inflection point in the SEC. Texas and OU will be joining the conference after this upcoming season. And things are going to get a lot tougher. The conference schedule might expand to nine games instead of eight. And that's going to make it more difficult on the programs that are in the middle of the conference and down. And Mississippi State's in the middle of the conference right now. And so – what happens if things don't quite live up to what people might expect in Mississippi State? What if it's a losing season? What if it's five wins this year? And then you've got Texas and OU joining. And you look at Zach's contract. I think there's some pressure there for him to produce immediately. So this isn't a situation where he's only there a year or two. And they make a change to go get a quote-unquote higher-profile coach or whatever. But I'm a believer in Zach Arnett. I just know that I think that there's a lot of pressure on him, more so than any other first-year coach in college football in recent recent memory. Will Rogers, obviously the term that everybody has used the past few years is system quarterback. Piled up, piled up huge yeah. numbers, but as a result of, of throwing the ball at a, an insane clip over the past couple of years. Now he takes over this offense. I got to see him in the spring. I thought he looked comfortable. I thought he, he showed off the, the, the ability to throw that deep ball that people have been questioning. What is the legacy of Will Rogers if he has a good year this year? I have to assume he shakes off system quarterback and becomes, I mean, does he become an all-time great in the SEC? He's likely to become the all-time leading passer this year. You know what I think helps him in playing in Leach's offense in that system? You saw the growth in these last two years in this decision-making. 
a lot of games, especially two years ago, you saw a guy that was maybe struggling and trying to play against some of these defenses and making decisions. And one thing would get shut down and then something else wouldn't open up. And I thought he improved drastically this last year in his decision-making and working within the system that was provided. And now that he's going into a new system and using that knowledge and the experience of being able to dissect a defense, and I'm not talking about dissecting a defense before the snap. I'm talking about dissecting a defense post-snap. I don't think that gets talked about enough with quarterbacks. What does your quarterback do post-snap and looking at coverages when the ball is snapped and recognizing, is that linebacker actually coming to me or is he bluffing at me? What's going on here with the cornerback and the boundary? I think he has done a great job this past season. And moving into this Knicks offense, I think that's going to help them uh, really, really well. It's going to help them with any growing pains early in the season in the passing game. But, again, I, I think they need, they need to run the ball more this year. They've got some talent there. But I, I think Will, he's not going to put up gigantic numbers. Right. But he's going to do well enough. And I think by the end of the year, you're going to look at him and go, that's a top four quarterback in the SEC. Sounds good. Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sportsman. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you. All right, thanks to Brandon. Appreciate his time. I, I had, you know, I, maybe I just hadn't considered it because I'm so we're so close to the situation here in Starkville, Robbie. But do you think there could, there could still be a little emotional hangover for this team at the start of the season, as, as the, you know that they do continue to still process the death of Mike Leach? Possibly. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we we saw them kind of handle that all the tragedy and all that stuff just a few weeks after Mike Leach had passed away. So, I mean, I, I think at this point, everybody's just kind of within Mississippi state, at least everybody has kind of maybe not forgotten Mike Leach, but they've kind of moved on and moved into, you know, taking the next step under Zach Arnett. I think people are just kind of settling in now with Zach Arnett. I, I think from a, from a national perspective, of Mississippi State, I think that's the that is kind of the thought process. Is Mississippi State's going to continue to, you know, kind of struggle to move forward and things like that? But I think it's kind of settled in nicely. And then my other question to him about about Will Rogers, you know, we, we've talked about Rogers so much, and if he just has a, a good year this year, I think he just has to get right over twenty four hundred yards passing. I think he's going to exceed that pretty easily. He'll be the all-time leading SEC quarterback in terms of passing yards. Is there a is there a path for him for people to look beyond system quarterback and say, "Hey, Will Rogers was one of the best quarterbacks to ever play in the SEC"? Yeah, there is. Yeah, he, he's going to have that opportunity this year. I think this is a big season for him. This is a chance for him to buck those claims that people have had on him. If he has success in this offense this year, people are going to start talking about hey, maybe he's just a really good quarterback because a lot of people believe that a quarterback's going to put up the numbers that Will Rogers has put up in the air raid by default. That's not true because it's been – I mean, that's been proven false whenever you look at Will Rogers' numbers in comparison to pretty much anybody else that's played under Mike Leach, and he's right there at the top with the Graham Harrells and uh, the Simons and the guys like that. But um, all that to say, just being in a different style offense, an offense that is a lot different than the one that you've been running, to have 
some of the same success, maybe even more success than what you've had in the air raid, would do a lot for Will Rogers and his opportunities even on the next level because I, I do believe he's going to have a chance to make a roster on the next level. I think he's good enough. He's a really smart kid that is um, you know, going to be valuable to a lot of uh, NFL coaches as a guy that could be beneficial in the room, a guy that can be a good uh, piece to lean on if you lose your starting quarterback. Um, a lot like Gardner Minshew, who just so happens to be the dude that was before Will at Brandon High School and played for Mike Leach. So a lot of similarities, I think, between those two. But I think that Will has an opportunity this fall to show people that he's much more than that that air raid quarterback, the guy that just put up a bunch of numbers. So um, this is a big, big season for him. Yeah. And I think if he's very productive this year, I think that's going to say a lot about him as a quarterback. Marcelo was pretty pretty optimistic, I think, about what State's going to be offensively. He thinks they're going to be very successful uh, running the football. And it sounds like he didn't mention him by name, but just talking about the talent, that he's, he's pretty high on, on Woody Marks. I don't think Marks is going to be a thousand yard rusher this year because of the way Barbe platoons his running backs. But I, I do think that Marks is, is is going to have a, a a career year. Not that he, you know, it would be that difficult for him to do that. His numbers have never been great in terms of running the ball. But I really do think that he's going to have he's going to be a key figure for this team this this upcoming season. He is. I think the running backs as a whole are. I think State's running back room is going to be really good. Um I fully expect them to get a transfer running back in here to add even more experience to that running back room. And I know Jeffrey Pittman hasn't played on this level, but as a Juco guy, he should be able to step in and be a guy that can give them six to eight carries in a game and be an effective backup running back. Same thing for the next guy that comes in out of the transfer portal and and is playing with uh, Jaquavius Marks. This running back room should be better significantly than it was the last few years. You're going to have a lot of depth there. Marks is is not going to take the hits, I don't think, that he's taken the last couple years, which is kind of strange to think about when you think he's going to carry the football more than he did. But I think they're going to put him in situations where the brunt of the hits that he's taking is not nearly as bad. Um, He's just going to be a straight-up running back finally. And I think that's going to be good for him. And for Mississippi State, you're, you got a whole group of guys that can get in there and give you some um, some good carries to to have some production offensively in the run game. That's going to open up some big pass plays. So I think it was huge to be able to bring him back. I agree. I agree with you 100. percent All right. Like I said, we're, we're going to continue this uh, this trend of having some national guys on. We'll talk some SEC stuff. Some we'll talk some big some Big Ten, some Big Twelve. We'll go around the country. I love college football. I know you guys do, too. So we'll talk about that. And, of course, we'll always get some Mississippi State's uh, flavor in there as well. All right, tomorrow's show, we'll talk uh, MSU-Arkansas. We'll preview that series just a little bit. Uh, what is it going to look like for Mississippi State in the first series without Scott Foxhall uh, as the pitching coach? We'll talk a little more football, too. We'll wrap up our spring preview series interviews tomorrow with Travis Brown from the Bryan College Station Eagle. We'll talk about Texas A&M. And Robbie Weinstein, who covers uh, uh, Vanderbilt for uh 24 7 so we'll get we'll we'll wrap up our uh, spring preview and then what i'm going to do is uh, i'm going to take all those interviews and i'll do two i'll make two shows so you can go back and find them very easily we'll do an sec east and an sec west uh show that you can go back and find all those previews and if you want to listen to them again they'll be right there in, in one easy spot to find 
All right, guys, have a great Thursday. Robbie and I will be back with you on Friday. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.